0: I kind of fell into pairs for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 308 of Low Limit Football on this 5th of December 2020. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight the conference finals are set in MLS as Columbus faces New England in the east, while Seattle faces Minnesota in the west. The Stadio San Paolo has been officially renamed as the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona to honor the footballing giant. Michelin, Rena, Zenit, and Besiktas Sheer have all been eliminated from European competition, while many still hold out hope for a Europa League berth. Out of the Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League will return from the pandemic on December 15th and we'll dive deep into German and Italian football with our very special guest, Mr. Richard Carmen from Schalke America podcast and the Serie A sit down podcast who will be joining us in just a minute. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm good, Joe, and I might as well go with my own news as well. Carlos Queiroz out as Columbia manager.
2: So it's been quite a busy week, I would say, for a bunch of news happening in the world of football.
0: You are not kidding. You are not kidding at all. It's and of course we're going to close out 2020 with a bang, right? And would it would it be any different? I mean, 2020s 2020 and. And here we are. So um, now, I if I remember correctly, may have already moved to a Mexican side. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, not um, that I know of. No, he
2: hasn't been confirmed right. to anywhere.
0: I think there was. I think there was rumors of that possibly happening, but we'll have to. We'll have to see if um, you know where he lands next. But uh, yeah, Colombia making a a switch, and I'm sure the recent qualifiers did not help with that uh, situation for him at all, because um, they've had a little bit of a bit uh, of a rough go of it. So. Um, let's, uh, let's jump into it, my man, because we only, after today's show, we only have one more show left in 2020, which I can't believe we're already at the end of the 2020 road. And I think for some, uh, in some instances, very thankfully we're at the end of the 2020 road. So hopefully 2021 brings us, uh, something a little better than what we've seen. But so, uh, I know last week we did a a great tribute to, uh, to Diego Maradona on his passing. Um, and we skipped over our show proper. So, uh, one of the things that we normally like to do is trivia. So tonight, I'm going to make up for it, my friend, and I'm going to give you two trivia questions, um, and uh, and we'll give you the answers to both at the end of the show. So if you are ready, my friend, let me give you the first trivia question. Uh, yes. On Wednesday of last week, the United States set a record with seven players playing in the UEFA Champions League, beating the record of six set earlier in the, in this particular competition. Can you name those seven players that played uh, last Wednesday? And my second trivia question, Kevin Molino of Minnesota United scored two or more goals in consecutive matches in the Minnesota win against Sporting KC. How many times has this been done? I'm not going to ask you for the players, but how many times has it been done where a player has scored two or more goals in consecutive matches in the MLS cup playoffs? And then I'll also give okay. you a, a, a quick little factoid on the end of that one as well. So those are our two trivia questions for uh, later on in the show. Let's uh, let's get to it right away with opening thoughts. Because opening thoughts tonight brings one of the other all-time greats, Argentinian all-time greats really, in uh, back into the limelight. And that is Lionel Messi. And if you recall back uh, in August, there was the whole fiasco of him getting out of his contract, op- opting out. It was going to go to court, maybe even arbitration for sport, to have him get out of his contract, which he has that kind of rolling one-year contract situation going on. And ultimately withdrew that request. He's obviously at Barcelona for this season. But it's always been in the backs of everybody's minds that he might still, at at the end of June, which is when he was supposed to do it last year, at the end of June, that he will just kind of say, you know what? Thanks for playing Barca. I'm going to go take my talents to South Beach or wherever else he may want to go. It has come up this week that PSG are currently exploring a move to possibly bring Lionel Messi into PSG. We know about the history between him and Neymar, the fact that they're still very close friends. They're, they're in a WhatsApp group still with Luis Suarez um, and still communicate all the time. Uh, a couple of other players, I believe Leandro Paredes has come out recently on in po- in social media expressing the want for Uh, Lionel Messi to come over. Angel Di Maria is another countryman uh, on the Argentinian national team that has played with him. And there's been a lot of movement about this. Now, you and I have talked about the potential of Lionel Messi moving somewhere other than Barcelona. And we've always said that the list of teams that would be able to take on Lionel Messi and his salary wages, his demands, and and, and any type of fees, the, the list is very, very short. And we we said that the list is probably two or three names long, but PSG is one of those names. So I'd like your opinion on the potential for him to move. Uh, what do you think that would do for PSG? Would that be good for PSG? Also thinking, you know, where he plays with Kylian Mbappe, how that would work out. Um, what would Barca want to do about this? Because obviously Barca in some serious turmoil. No, turmoil right now. They're you know, for all intents and purposes broke. So what, what does this mean for Messi? What does it mean for PSG? What does it mean for Barca?
2: Well, I think it's, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because as you know, Joe, starting January 1st of 2021, Messi could, could start negotiating a possible move with any interested club that, that comes 23 days later, Barcelona will elect a new president. So that could indeed affect the decision of Messi to stay or leave. It all depends on who goes in and what favors Messi's interest in in this case. I think the big implications as well is going to have is going to be like you know are they able to maintain all these players? Because I think the wage bill is going to be the one big one. Uh, certainly, you know I think he earns like sixty million a year or something like that at Barcelona. Neymar earns thirty six million. Kylian Mbappe is twenty. So they have to see how they're going to balance the books to maintain that. Um, I, I think this could be a huge, um, stump not a po- uh, stumbling point, but I think a huge domino effect, I think not just, not for Neymar, but I think for Mbappe, mm-hmm. because I think as much as PSG want to keep on killing Mbappe, I think his, his eyes are all, is all heading towards Real Madrid. I think that's always been the, the thing that we've been talking about for years about this is always going to be a player that's going to go and get his dream move to Real Madrid. The question is when, and if Messi is going to hypothetically make this move to Barcelona um, to PSG, they have to get rid of someone because they're not going to have all those wages unless they somehow get some more money in the in the uh, in the wage bill. Then they have to move on someone. And I think it, it also just depends on Neymar as well because you know Neymar also wants to go back to Barcelona or at least that's some of the rumors that we're hearing. So it's the it was just kind of weird and interesting to see how. Messi and Neymar want to play with each other, but the question is where? Will it be at Barcelona where Neymar could come back, or will it be at PSG where Messi can go to play with Neymar, but that means Kylian Mbappe is going to be the the, the odd man out? You know, it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but certainly I, I think the case will be who gets in and who gets out because they somehow have to find a way to, to make this whole work. and. You know they're not going to to find some magic. Well, I mean they, they might get some money magically. Who knows? They're PSG. They have a lot of money. Um, but they they have to do something in order to balance this all properly.
0: You bring up a great point because the, the for me the pandemic has really thrown a monkey wrench into this. If if we weren't in the middle of the pandemic and we'd seen all the financial issues that have come up with this pandemic, I believe. Uh, something was something came up this week about the EPL offering or, or paying money out to the clubs to to keep them solvent so that they can continue. Um, teams are hurting all over, all around the world. Teams are hurting. They're not getting the the money coming in from the from the ticket sales. There's a lot of financial hardship that many many clubs, big and small, are suffering right now because of this pandemic. And then you look at Messi's wage bill of sixty million a year at Barca, and and you say to yourself. How many clubs, even in this pandemic, as rich as they are, who's going to pay that? You know, and, and so I think I think ultimately this move could very well happen. I really do. I I could foresee something like, um, you know, some rules being lifted in terms of financial fair play, although we've, we've always said that that's kind of a a little bit of a sham. But um, financial fair play could all, always be changed to allow for some flexibility here because of the situation, in the pandemic. You could see something like that happen to allow for for Messi and uh, and Neymar to to rejoin each other. I just don't I don't know that it can happen because the numbers are so big that I don't think you can see them playing together at the same time. Now, do they want to? Yeah. But somebody's going to have to take a pay cut. And then you bring on you bring up the the Mbappe spot, Uh, you know, another 26 million euro to, to Mbappe or I'm sorry, 20 million euro to Mbappe you know going to real madrid we we've, we've talked about the lautaro move to barcelona you know you have to wonder how much money are people going to be dumping in they've got the eden hazard bill bill right i, I over at real madrid and he's been not for nothing he's been a little bit of a bust because of the injury bug um you, you've got the gareth bale bill that they're still paying there's still many many things that they're paying on that are 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 going to you know hand tie them in terms of money so ultimately it's about the finances if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic I I would literally want to bet my house that Lionel Messi will leave Barcelona and go to PSG or Neymar would leave PSG and go to Barcelona but I, I don't know I just I feel like there's the potential that none of that will happen strictly because everyone's so strapped for cash I mean do you ultimately do you see this move happening at all or do you see that it kind of everybody stays put because of that
2: well, I think again. I think it all depends on what happens uh, with these elections. I mean, certainly one would hope that all of them will be better than what Bartomeu has been for these last few years. Um, the question is, are they going to convince Messi to to stay? And also, let's 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 not forget, we still have a season. Mm-hmm. We still have a season to see. You know, Barcelona are not in a good position right now in the league. They made it in the Champions League, but how, how big are they in terms of favorites, or where are they favored in, in comparison to the other teams that we've been seeing? You know, um, so it's it's really going to be all dependent on that, honestly, Joe. So I think I think he has every right to negotiate with any club that he wants. But again, it, it I think it all depends on who comes in from an administrative point of view, and also to see how their season does, because yes. ultimately, I think that's that's the only thing that could happen in order for Messi to. To leave in case something really catastrophic happens. If they win something, then maybe he he'll stay for another year or something. Because I I still think that he will stay at Barcelona for the rest of his career. I st- I think it, it's only right, honestly. But hey, we've seen weirder things, so yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: And, and there's certainly huge potential for that. I mean, this is this is where he's played all his football, right? I mean, the, the old joke: Can he do it in Stoke on a cold, rainy night? I mean. Doesn't matter. He's done it in Barcelona with lifting a Champions League trophy. I mean, this is Lionel Messi we're talking about. So, and and this is where he kind of cut his teeth is, is you know in Barcelona. So, I I can see him staying at Barcelona. I I think though, again, depending on the election, depending on the finances, I think there may have to be some kind of wage accommodation for Lionel Messi. Um, and and then again, you'll get you'll get Lionel Messi's true heart, right? Is he willing to take less money to stay at Barcelona, the club that he's, you know, basically made his name, um, or is he looking for the cash, looking for one final payday? Uh, and we're talking about a man that does not need a final payday, right? So he's a billionaire. Why does he
2: need a payday? <laughs> ex- exact, that, exactly.
0: Exactly. It's what I mean. So you know, does does he go to PSG to play with Neymar just to go to PSG and play with Neymar? Does he stay at Barca because ultimately he sees himself? As a Barça Blaugrana, and nothing more. Uh, you know, you, you you ask those questions of Lionel Messi, the person, um, but I think all of that is going to come with a major wage cut uh, somewhere along the way. We'll, we'll see how it materializes. As it is, this is still just rumor. Um, it is enticing rumor, that's for sure, uh, because we've we've seen the turmoil between Barça and Lionel Messi, and again, that was all a lot of that was on Joseph Bartomeu's head, and now we're going to get that election, so we'll see how things change, if things change to where Lionel Messi says, yeah, you know what, this is where I want to be. This is the project going in the right direction, and I want to see my time through at Barcelona. I, I think there's there's very, very good potential for that to happen here as well. So um, let's let's table our discussion um, because that will be a, a, a conversation that we will certainly pick up again well into the new year and beyond, especially depending on how Barca... Uh, advance in uh, the table of La Liga, how they advance in the knockout stages of the Champions League as well, and, and plus the other competitions. So, let's uh, let's table that. And speaking of Champions League, let's bring our our guest in. Uh, earlier before this recording, we were able to chat with Richard Carmen from uh, the Schalke America podcast and from Seti sit down, and uh, had a great conversation of all things Germany, Italy, Champions League. Erling Holland, uh, Strikers. I mean, we ha- it was a great, great conversation. So, without further ado, the Richard Carmen interview. Joining us now on myth Football from Schalke America podcast and the City Ah Sit Down podcast, Richard Carmen. Richard, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on board. I want to open with a, a Schalke question. Seeing that uh, you do the Schalke America podcast, um, they they're really in a state of turmoil. They haven't won a match yet this season. Their transfer window saw them depart with many, many staple players. Daniel Caligiuri went on a, out on a free, Weston McKinney out on loan. Uh, Guido Bergstaller went out, Sebastian Rudy went out. Um, they really didn't do a lot to build up or strengthen the side again. They fired David Wagner after um, a terrible run, really, for that, for that particular um, the American head coach. Uh, bring on Manuel Baum, whose only ex- other experience in the league is at uh, Augsburg, as, as far as I could tell. They haven't won a match yet. What are they even going in the right direction? What what's your opinion of the direction they're in, and what do you think they need to do to change that to get them back on the right path?
1: Hey, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Yes, uh, it's a tricky situation with Shaka. Right, um, it's been an ever for the last I don't know five years plus. It's just been a slow decline, and really, it's hit rock bottom over the last year, year and a half. Yeah, when uh, Wagner departed, uh, they brought in Manuel Baum. Uh, wondering because it was, I mean, losing eight nothing to Bayern, losing you know big to Leipzig, uh, losing to Werder Bremen. I mean, they're tough losses, uh, and and the manner that they lost was just uh, was just the worst of it. And so bringing in Manuel Baum, uh, the first thing that he noticed, first thing he mentioned in his press conferences were that the the, the psyche, the mentality of the club, is what's really bad. The, the players are actually decent players. They're not they're not relegation-type players. They're, they're actually mid-table, you know, at, at worst. Um, but it's a psyche that, you know, they give up a goal and then they just shut off completely, and then they, it just the t- other team just steamrolls them. So Baum's been working really hard at that. You know, from the outside perspective, it kind of looks like nothing's really changed at Schalke. They're still losing. But, you know, watching the club day in and day out, uh, you know, speaking with, speaking, staying close with the club, we, we've noticed that there has been changes. The mentality has gotten better. Um, he's gotten more out of players like Mark ut Obviously, having the goalkeeper, Frederick Reneuve, uh, is doing wonders because he's uh, making these big saves and keeping the team in in the games. Um, and a lot of the players, like another player, Roman, Benito Roman, he's been playing really well as of late. And so, Schalke is slowly getting better. Um, we saw their best performance of the season so far in the first half against uh, Wolfsburg last week, um, where they, in the first half, they or excuse me, against Gladbach, Marussia, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they, they took it to him in the first half, had a lot of offensive opportunities. Um, even, you know, after going down a goal, they fought back, made it one, one, uh, gave up a late goal in that first half. And after that, it was just, uh, Gladbach sailing from there, but Shaka put up a lot of fight. They have been progressing very slowly. Uh, they still have a ways to go. It's, um, there have a lot of turmoils that we've seen in the news with, uh, Michelle Reska being, uh, fired. Uh, Vida Dibisevic has been terminated his contract's been terminated after a fight with Naldo in practice um, the suspensions of Amin Harit and Nabil Bentaleb th- those seem to be the root of the background noise that is affecting the club negatively it seems like at least from what we're told and so uh, with that uh, they've tried to bring in more of the younger players players who have the coal miner mentality the blue collar mentality who will fight for the club not let ego get in the way and I think that's the way that Manuel Baum has been going with it. And I think that's the right way to go is to to find players who are going to fight for the club, give everything they got. I mean, they have two strikers up top that, you know, can produce Mark Ut and Benito Ramon, and, and just building with them. Um, the main thing right now with all those little progressions is the defense is still porous. They're giving up goals left and right, and they need to figure that out. If they don't figure that out, this is going to be a terribly long season, longer than it already is. But – Um, I do see progression as 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 hard as it is to see from the outside. There is slight progression, and I think they just need to continue with it. They need some luck too, because every every bounce has gone against opposition for the opposition. So, uh, yeah, it's it's getting there, but it's it's a very slow work in progress.
2: Well, obviously, you know, we I think we have to switch gears and talk about their bitter rivals, uh, Borussia Dortmund, because certainly the one player that has been stellar not just this season, I think, for the whole calendar year, and obviously, I think is the the flavor of the month, we would say here on Alonso Football, is Erling Haaland. You know, what a 2020 it's been for him. You know, a yeah. $20 million move to Borussia Dortmund, a hat-trick on his debut. So far, he's had 33 goals in 32 games for Borussia Dortmund in all competitions. He won the Golden Boy. So, you know, it's always been, it's been a stellar rise for the Norwegian, you would say. I mean... You know, looking at even the season, he's already averaged more goals than appearances, uh, you know, four, 17 goals in 14 games, you know, six goals in the Champions League, 10 in the Bundesliga. I mean, it's not a case of, and Richard, I want to go into you on this one, you know, what do you feel about Erling Haaland's rise so quickly at, at just 20 years old? And not, it's not, not even the case of where do you think you rank him as maybe one of the best strikers in the world, because that's a, that's a whole different conversation. But where do you rank him as right now one of the best players in the world?
1: Yeah, it uh he is what I would call the real deal, right? We we saw this from a young age and even when his time at Salzburg and even before when he was uh when he was at his homeland, this kid's got something special and I mean his dad's trained him very well, he's got a good team around him. Uh his first touch is unbelievable, his shooting power with both feet, his accuracy with both feet is just unreal. He can head balls and this guy is a five tool player, right? And uh he's just something special and I knew as soon as he signed for Dortmund, this was gonna be a headache for me until he left. Uh, he just he can put the ball in back the net. Doesn't matter who it's against. We saw it against PSG. We've seen it against Bayern. Um, like you mentioned, he, you know, he's one of the best strikers in the world. But in terms of best players in the world, he's he's in the mix. I would say, you know, off the top of my head, he's easily top ten. Um, like I said, there's some some really good strikers out there. Lewandowski is probably the best right now out of anybody out there. But he's he's certainly in the mix, and he's one of the most dangerous people on that can be on the pitch at any given moment. He will score. That's not a question of if he will. It's when. Right. Um, He can take take a goal out from nothing, really, just as long as the ball gets to his feet, he finds a way. And he's and he's so unselfish, which is the important thing, because he's just not looking for goals. He's looking for assists. He just wants to score goals, period. And so uh, he's a quite a special talent, unfortunately, plays for Dortmund. But, yeah, he's this is the perfect place for him to nurture his craft before he more inevitably moves to a bigger club and continues his goal scoring prowess and becomes one of the best ever. (laughs)
2: well that's a that's a big task for him if if he wants to achieve the the latter part as you said but certainly he's on the he's on the the road to it but you know going into and it's good that you mentioned the strikers playing in Germany because we're seeing so many great strikers that we are uh, seeing in not just even in the Bundesliga with Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski but looking at in Italy as well you know you look at someone like Romelu Lukaku, Chiri Mobile, Slatan, who's doing well at, at such a old age you would say in quotations cristiano ronaldo if he needs to be i mean how important is that for these leagues like the bundesliga and syria given that you know it depends on what you like i mean yes it's always good to feel appreciative of most of the big leagues you get premier leagues la liga whatever but you could tell that maybe for the bundesliga and the syria it's still not in that competition or in that discussion among the top 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 leagues of like the one or two but how important is it for the bundesliga and for syria to have those kind of strikers? Uh, in their league
1: it's, it's very important because it draws attention right especially with the case of Lewandowski and, Erla, and Erling Haaland and, and the Bundesliga and then like you mentioned the big names uh, in Serie A like Ronaldo Ibrahimovic Lukaku and so on and so forth it's important because uh, people start paying attention you know young kids especially they see these big name players scoring goals I mean what draws fans in more than goals right and seeing these big time players scoring these big time goals for these clubs they're like okay let's pay attention to this league and it draws the eyes on the league and and as you know people who watch the bundesliga and Serie A religiously they can tell you these are amazing leagues and fun leagues and uh fairly even leagues to watch and it's uh from an entertainment entertainment standpoint it's certainly uh, a must watch and so it's pivotal for these for these leagues to have these big time strikers uh producing at the rate that they are even at their at the ripe old age like you said ibrahimovic who's younger than me but he's an elder statesman uh this the, the the amount of goals that these guys are putting in there and you know Ibrahimovic and Ronaldo are just pure class no matter where you go and they find they find ways to score goals so it's uh yeah it's it's a, something special for both these leagues to have the players that they do at the striker position
2: now, switching gears, obviously, to the American players, and obviously one player that I'm sure all of us are familiar of, and it's kind of special given that we have a Schalke guy in this call and a Juventus guy in this call, and obviously that's going to be talking about Weston McKinney. You know, he's making the move from Juvent- from Schalke to Juventus, become the first ever American to play for the side in Turin. Has done decently well, I would say. You know, he's played nine games already at, at Juventus in all competitions. He's actually hit 100 games in his entire career at just 22. So I'm just, I just want your thoughts on how you have viewed his rise, at least into Juventus, given the, the experience that you saw him playing at Schalke so regularly. And, you know, given the situation that is going on for Schalke, do you, do you feel that Juventus are, are not obligated, but do you think it would be right for them to, to keep that uh, full transfer heading into next season?
1: <laughs> From a Schalke perspective, absolutely. But I think also for Juventus, it would be
2: a win for them.
1: Uh, I remember, I know when, when he first signed, uh, I remember doing a video on YouTube and talking about what, you know, what the attributes that McKinney would bring to Juventus, the type of player, he's a gritty type midfielder. Um, As we've heard from Andrea Pirlo's initial um, press conferences, this is exactly the type of player he was looking for. I mean, he was handpicked by Andrea Pirlo for a reason. You know, the Juventus midfield has had, haven't had a bite in that midfield in a long time, probably since Arturo Vidal was there. Uh, And so they needed someone, a little bit of fight in the midfield, a little bit of grinta, as we say in Serie A. Uh, to really uh, make it tough for the opposition, and Weston McKinney fits that perfectly. Now, his uh, progression from you know from Chalka to Juventus has been much much greater than I expected. At the I wasn't expecting it to be this good this soon because uh, he seamlessly almost like seamlessly jumped into the league with the club uh, in the starting eleven, you know, for most majority of the time. And he's providing a lot, I mean, he's doing offensive offensive work, defensive work. He's putting that fight up. You know, you can see it in games where. Uh, the, the players around him are just feeding off of his, you know, hustle into the ball. And this is what Andrea Pirlo wants. He wants the team to hustle for the ball, win the ball back, and then go and attack. Um, and Weston McKinney has is, is been very emblematic of what Andrea Pirlo wants. And it's been a successful ride so far. And, uh, you know, for both parties, I think, Schalke and Juventus, I think it, it would benefit them if McKinney stays there. I think, and you know, also from a U.S. men's national team perspective, he's, do- he's finally in a place where he's playing a posi- one position. At Shaka he played like a million different. He played every position on the pitch, but goalkeeper. So having him in a steady position will help his, you know, national team career as well because he, he he's a box to box guy. He's in number eight, uh, who can do both offense and defense. And he needs to have that time to grow in that position and build from there. So, um, yeah, it's a, he's he's been a, he's been a joy to to watch from, um, you know, as an American watching uh, uh, playing abroad in Italy. So.
2: No, I was just looking at a tweet right here, right now, and um, this says here that, safe to say that, and then I'm just reading off the tweet, says here, safe to say USMNT midfielder Weston McKinney is exceeding expectation after his move in the events. This is how he ranks in the ucl after four out of five games among all juventus midfielders first in block passes first in aerials one second in tackles and second in block crosses i mean you know that's important uh, richard you know for someone so young and yeah he's only 22 for him to to go into a side like juventus and mind you, juventus are huge in their own right and for some players maybe that expectation is is not enough like you know i, I think it's important for anyone that goes to those big clubs to. to put um, a big step into them and to show what they really mean and why they got him and And certainly for McKenney uh, to do it so young and, and to start it so far, especially for Juventus side that, yeah, they haven't, won- they haven't lost a single game yet, but it's not as convincing as one would imagine, if, if you get what I'm saying. At least for, for Juventus' um, perspective, at least McKenney has been a, a shining light so far among the, the players that have stepped up so far this season. Yeah, I mean, you said exactly right there. I mean,
1: not every player who comes into a big club like Juventus uh, reacts well. You know, a prime example is you stay with that club is Benradeschi, Federico Benadeschi. Uh He had a lot of, you know, hype about him coming from Fiorentina. Um, and we see him do good things with the Azzurri national team. But, you know, with Juventus, he just seems to be lost in the shuffle. He's, it can't, he can't live up to the limelight right now. And McKinney just seemed to jump right. He's almost feasting off of the limelight. Of course, it you know, it helps playing next to Ronaldo and some other guys. But you know, McKinney seems to enjoy the limelight, enjoy the attention, and he's getting better. He's feeding off of that as opposed to Bernadeschi, which seems maybe just he can't find uh, the right place to play or a formation. I don't know, but um, what I think, you know, with with Weston McKinney, it's it's um, a mentality thing. He just seems to be ready for it. Maybe it's just the the, the people around him, you know, his family and family and friends. Um, I don't know, but he just seems, you know, ready for this fight. Um, he's he's. Itching to have this kind of uh, uh, success that he didn't have in a long time for Schalke, I mean, he's with a competitive team, and this is probably what he's dreamed of, right? Playing with the best, one of the best clubs in the world, playing in Champions League, uh, having a chance now to be a, a fixed starter on the national team. Uh, this is what he's been, you know, aiming for, and uh, you know, I'm sure he wants trophies and goals galore and and success. So, uh, you know, it's amazing for him to be uh, enjoying this at the moment. I just hope he continues building off of this and not get too stagnant. Because sometimes we've seen this too, where players enjoy it and then they they kind of drop off i i think he has the fight in him the hunger in him uh, to continue on
0: now i know you guys want to send me down the juventus uh rabbit hole but i'm going to try to avoid that for now because we could talk forever so i want to i want to go back to generalizing it and and rob i'm glad you brought up the uh the information about the champions league on weston mckinney because i want to talk champions league now uh with uh more a little more generalized in terms of the italian teams first uh looking at where we stand in after match day five juve have already advanced uh, right now, we are looking at uh, Atalanta really holding their destiny in their own hands. They're going to face off against Ajax this week, and one of them is going to be advancing into the, the knockout stages of the Champions League. You feel pretty good about Atalanta's chances there. You've got Lazio that really just need a draw against Club Brugge and to advance themselves in a, in a group that saw them you know, beat Dortmund initially to open the competition. And then there's Inter. And Inter, we always knew that Inter were in a very difficult group we knew Munchen gladback was going to be a great uh you know a difficult opponent i don't think anyone expected the play that we've seen out of out of, out of uh Alisson Plié so far I, for me I, I know we talked about erling Holland, but when you look back at, at the statistics plié must have must be the, the best player right now in champions league uh, i think he's at 5 goals and 4 assists he's, he's contributed to more than any other player so far in the Champions League. You've got Shakhtar, who's always difficult to travel to Ukraine and play them, and many teams are finding that out the hard way. And then, of course, Real Madrid. So Inter are really in a tough spot here to try and advance as the fourth Italian team. So, Richard, I want to ask your opinion on how this has gone so far for the Italian teams in Champions League and how many of these four teams do you see advancing into the knockout stages do you see all four of them going or do uh, do inter miss? do uh atalanta miss you know what about lazio could they stumble against bruga at home on their last match day
1: <laughs> yeah pazza inter right you know yeah. <laughs> it, we'll start with we'll start with them because they're they were in a difficult group and i said it from the beginning i mean i knew how how tough gladbach are Shakhtar, like you mentioned they're they're super tough they beat, you know, Real Madrid twice already in the Champions League, and who would have thought at this point after five match days that Real and Inter would be the bottom two teams in the group? Um, you know, I, I, I predicted, you know, before the, the tournament started that, you know, Real Madrid and Inter, though this is a tough group, they should, you know, you know be successful and, prog- and progressing out of it, but at this point, both teams look like they might be going out. Um, you know, at least with them, it's going to be difficult. They have it in their own hands, they need some luck, uh, but... You know, if I'm being honest, with, between the four clubs, this is probably the one club I think that's not going to make it out of the group stages. Uh, you like what Juventus is doing. You knew they were going to be a, one of the top two teams. Uh, they've done what they had to. And, and, and as Roberto said earlier, they're not necessarily winning pretty, but they're finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. And at least in at least Champions League, that's important to you know, to to get out of the group. Um, Lazio, they started off with, with an amazing win against Dortmund. They've they've Simone Inzaghi's done probably one of the best coaching jobs out of anybody in Europe with what he's had to deal with. Um, with injuries, COVID, everything else, uh, they found ways, and they they're, they look like they're going to be in co- good spot to progress out of here. Um, you know, can they slip up against Brugge? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the way they've been, they've been playing in Europe, which is beyond my expectations, because historically they've uh, it seemed to choke. Like in Syria, they've always done well, but when they go to Europe, they always they always lay up a big goose egg and and get eliminated right away. Uh, this year, it's something different with them. They've had uh, a lot more challenges in the league, which I think has helped them when they go to Europe. Um, they've been able to focus, being away from home. And, uh, yeah, I think they're in a great spot right now. I think a draw is absolutely achievable. I think they'll probably win that game, honestly. Uh, and same thing with Atalanta. Destiny's in their own hands against Ajax. Um, Atalanta, you never know what you're going to get with them, right? You saw the performance against Liverpool the first time around, losing 5-0, very unexpected uh atalanta was one of the darlings of, of of europe last year and then this year they can't stop goals from you know from scoring against them and but they turned it around in the second leg against liverpool and they won two nothing and so that's what we're more used to uh seeing from the city clubs and so i think a, a club like ix who's this is probably not their greatest uh, greatest squad that they've had in a while It's one of the weaker teams they've had probably in the last five years atalanta has a, a very good opportunity to get a, a draw at minimum uh, from this game, I think they're going to, I think they're gonna progress. So of the, of the four clubs in uh, champions league for city, A, I think uh, Atalanta, obviously Juventus and uh, Lazio will progress. Unfortunately, I think Inter are going to finish bottom of their group because I just, they, they are too inconsistent in the league. It's uh, we've seen many times with Antonio Conte, if he has seven days to prepare for a matchup, he, he's going to do amazing. Their, their team's going to be ready. They're going to get the win. If it's you know on short notice, short rest like they have been with the with the Champions League and and the league every three days, he struggles and and the play from Inter has shown so I, I don't I don't see them unfortunately progressing out. as much as I'd love to see them to progress. I don't see it happening at all.
0: Well, you bring up a great point then because you know looking at that, if Antonio Conte gets knocked out of Champions League proper, I mean knocked out of Europe at this point, um, I, I've got to go back and look at the table for the city Ah, but I believe they are they're still sitting outside the top four. Um, does this cost him his job? Does Inter just run out and sack him right away, or do you think that he's safe through the year? Because there are big expectations at Inter right now with all the money they've spent, the players they've brought in. They managed to hold on to Lautaro Martinez and fought off uh, Barcelona you know, another year, but although at the same time you, you find out Barca's a little more on the broke side than you than you know. But um, is it, could this cost him his job if he gets knocked out of Europe? Many
1: Interisti will say yes. Uh, cuz the expectations <laughs> of you know with Conte is to get deep into Champions League and win the scudetto. Um I even predicted you know when he was first hired that in the second year that they would win the scudetto. Now, that if you listen to Interisti, they'll tell you it's crisis mode, everything is a failure, the team sucks this and that. Uh right. but actually, you know with the win last weekend uh over Sassuolo, they've jumped up to second place in Serie yeah. Right. So as bad as Interisti tell you it is, It's not that bad. The ultimate goal for them was winning Scudetto this year. They're in second place at the moment. Yeah, they're five points behind their rivals, Milan. But uh, they're still in second place. And as bad as they've played this season, as inconsistent as they've been, they're in the mix. Same thing with Juventus. Juventus has been inconsistent as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could. many people, a lot of Inter fans will say, Conte's job should be out. He should be out. You've seen the hashtag Conte out. Who are you going to replace him with on short notice? I mean, Allegri's not going to come back as much as they want him. He's looking for a Premier League job um so calm down relax it, it, you're in a difficult group Gladbach played above expectations Shakhtar did as well um so that was always going to be a difficult match but your your main goal this year is to win Scudetto and you're in the mix right now you're playing you're playing inconsistently and you're in the mix what more can you ask for uh, when when they get hot because I believe they will get hot especially with Lukaku and Lautaro, it's in, it's inevitable that they will get hot so once they fix things it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult for every every other team around them to stay consistent with them so Inter in a good spot, you know. You know the fans need to calm down. I think if they can, if they can continue staying in the mix until they figure it out, they'll be fine. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Inter at the moment.
0: I'm totally joking when I say this, but I say somewhere out there, Maurizio Sari's chewing on a cigarette butt. So <laughs> <laughs> just keep that <laughs> he in mind. Sleep like that too. <laughs> I know. I, I wanna I wanna close by asking you this a similar question with the with the German sides in the Champions League. Obviously, Bayern Munich advancing um, have dropped their first points under Hansi Flick uh, on the weekend at Athleti um but they brought a b team really if you think about it with bayern munich as much as bayern munich has a b squad um munchen Gladback leading the way in group b we talked about that group uh with inter and but they seem to be in the driver's seat to be able to at least secure their own destiny really only needing a draw on the last match day when they play uh real madrid in in madrid um uh, we're also looking at Um, Dortmund, who's already advanced in Group F. We talked about them with Lazio. And the last one, RB Leipzig, which is really, really interesting to me because Leipzig on the last match day here are going to face off against Manchester United, a, a United side that opened by beating PSG in last year's finalists. And... All of a sudden, they've dropped two of the last three matches in the Champions League. RB Leipzig are still there, and we have three teams tied with nine points in that Group H, which is, is absolutely crazy. So, uh, obviously, Dortmund, Bayern are already through. Um, your opinion of Gladbach getting out of that group where we know everything is tight, and then uh, if it wasn't tight in that group, we go to Group H, and Leipzig are technically in first place. It's all about point uh, goal differential. What are their odds of getting out of this group?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I think, you know... Every year, you expect the German clubs, or at least at least me, from who I'm an avid Bundesliga watcher. You expect the Bundesliga clubs to uh, all progress, and they rarely all do. It's usually Bayern and, and maybe Dortmund. Uh, this year, I think they're all in a fantastic location. Like we start with Leipzig. Leipzig were very—I I don't know what what that was—and that lost to Manchester United five nothing. That was very inexplicable. Uh, what happened with them? Because this is a very good squad. They're, they have an excellent manager, in Nagelsmann. Um, and now, you know, look like you said, even despite that loss, they're still technically tied for first, um, and they got to play Manchester United in, 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 in their last match day. Um, they're in a good position, I think. You know, especially they got a big game obviously this weekend today against Bayern. Um, you know, trying to trying to unseat them in terms of the top spot for the Bundesliga. But um, they're in a good spot, and they've been playing pretty well lately. They had they went they had a shootout against Besiktas here this, uh, this last match day, and um, I, I'm confident that they can get a result in that match. Now, the goal differential is not in their favor by any stretch, so they're going to need to win that game. So they're going to have to be attacking. So that's going to be a difficult one to ask for them. But um, between them and, and Gladbach, I think they have the, a slightly more difficult route. Now, you're, you're, you're right. Manchester United has been slipping up lately. Uh, so I think this will be a very interesting match. Um, but I, 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 I expect Leipzig to pull something out and, and shock some people. I know a lot of people in England probably think you know United should walk over this, especially after that last game, but um, don't count out Leipzig. I, have, I think they have a good chance, better than 50% chance of progressing out of that group. And then talking about Gladbach. Gladbach, again, like you mentioned, Plie is having a fantastic year so far in Champions League. He's probably the best player statistically, um, both in goals and assists. Uh, he's just finally living up to the hype that we saw when he was over at Frankfurt um and you know they get to play I, I believe was it Real Madrid in the last game I guess uh, that is correct um yeah, yeah. so it, I think it's going they're gonna ha- they're gonna do well I, Real Madrid's been very inconsistent this year and Gladbach has lived up to the hype or lived up to the challenge in Champions League they've a lot of young players uh, we had a, a Gladbach uh, supporter on our podcast uh, this past week and uh, he talked about how all the players who are in their first uh, go around in Champions League they are um. Living up to, their are they're they're feasting on the Champions League because they want. This is what they all want. All young players want to play in Champions League, right? And and, and live in the limelight. And the Gladbach players, Plié, Toram, all these guys, they're feasting off of this uh, new house. Uh, so I think, that, uh, you know, for them just to at least get a draw, they can do that. I, I see Gladbach progressing for sure. So uh, you're looking at probably three, maybe four uh, of the German clubs all progressing, which is amazing, uh, considering uh, where we, you know, coming into this. I would probably say maybe two of them would have progressed.
0: Yeah, that, that group B is really, you know, I said it uh, a few weeks ago that the group B really looks upside down from when we predicted our made our Champions League predictions, and it's remained upside down. and And I, I do agree with you, and, and my co-host also points out Marcus Thuram has also had a, a wonderful Champions League run as well. So, once uh, and Gladbach really looked poised to to advance, and and I think they're an exciting club to watch. If you you know if you had the opportunity to watch that match uh, against Inter. Um, it was back and forth I mean it was it was incredibly exciting and and I think that team offers something going forward uh, to add to the flavor of the Champions League this year so for sure I'm really excited to see them get through before we let you go Richard where can everyone find your work
1: yes uh, yeah you can find me at uh, Schalke America or at Serie sit down on Twitter and Instagram Uh, also on YouTube we have uh, YouTube channels for both those podcasts as well so uh, yeah definitely check check out those two places and you 'll find me uh, i 'm linked to those accounts too so
0: yeah, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks again for joining us on the show. really appreciated the conversation and look forward to having you again real soon thank you gentlemen and special thanks again to Richard Carmen for joining us on the show, Mr. Rojas. We have some great matches of the week coming up. This is a jam packed week as we run into the final match day of Champions League and Europa League. We've got Copa Libertadores kicking off their quarterfinals. We've got uh, MLS with MLS Cup Final coming up this week. So let me give you this nice long list of great matches to watch. And we're going to start out in the Champions League with Lazio taking on Club Brugge at 12.55 p.m. on Tuesday. Following that will be Leipzig-Manchester United Tuesday at 3 p.m. On Wednesday, we have uh, Ajax-Atalanta at 12.55 p.m. Then we have inter Shakhtar at 3 p.m., Real Madrid, Munch and Gladbach at 3 p.m., and Salzburg-Atleti at 3 p.m. All of those matches will uh, are for places into the knockout stages of the Champions League. So great, great stuff to watch. Then if you've ha- not had enough on Wednesday, you can go 5.15 p.m. to the Copa Libertadores, where we'll see Grêmio and Santos take on each other in an all-Brazilian quarterfinal matchup. That'll be at 5.15 p.m. We are hoping we'll get Racing Boca, but Boca have not advanced yet against Internacional, so that one remains to be seen. But if that one does come up, we will bring you the, the dates and times of that. On Thursday, we're going to head to the Europa League, and we're going to look at Napoli and Sociedad, uh, Real Sociedad, at the top of the uh, of, of the La Liga table there. Uh, Thursday, twelve fifty-five p.m. We have Maccabi Tel Aviv, Sivasspor at three p.m. and Wolfsburger, Fire Nord at three p.m. as well. Those are all for knockout uh, round entry for those clubs. Then on the weekend, we will start off Saturday with eleven a.m. in Ligue One with Marseille and Monaco. We will then follow that up with uh, two big matches: the Union Berlin. Bayern Munich matchup at 12.30 p.m. And the Manchester Derby comes up next Saturday, 3 p.m., Manchester United, Manchester City. On Saturday night, you will have the MLS Cup final at 8 p.m. The team's still be to be determined. And then on Sunday, we have, in uh, in the Serie A, we have AC Milan against Parma at 2.45 p.m. And then if one city derby wasn't enough, let's give you another one, the Madrid Derby, Real Madrid-Atletico, next Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry about that. That match, Real madrid Atleti, is Saturday at 3 p.m. So we've got two uh, city derbies on Saturday, Man City-Man United at 12.30, and Real madrid Atleti uh, at 3 p.m. on Saturday. So, Rob, let me go back to the trivia questions that I gave you, my friend. Let me give you the one that I was just asking for a number because that will be the quickest answer. Kevin Molino scored two or more goals in two consecutive matches so far in this MLS Cup tournament. The uh, and again, in the Minnesota United win over Sporting KC, how many times, my friend, has that been done?
2: I'm going to spitball it because I, I literally have no idea, but I, I could probably guess. And I'm going to say it's been done five
0: times. Actually, it's only been done twice. And the two times it was done, Carlos Ruiz did it in 2002 for the L.A. Galaxy, and Robbie Keane also did it for the L.A. Galaxy in 2012. And what both of those players and those teams and those years have in common, both of them won MLS Cup coming off of that particular feat. So Kevin Molino, maybe a little foreshadowing for Minnesota United here, uh, becoming the third player to score two or more goals in consecutive matches in MLS Cup tournament. It might mean an MLS Cup for Minnesota United. The second question I gave you, my friend, on Wednesday, there were seven Americans that played in the Champions League, beating the old record of six Americans playing earlier this season. Can you name those seven Americans? I absolutely can. All right, so we'll go to Barcelona first. We're gonna go to Serginho Dest
2: and Conrad de la Fuente. They both did get into the match, my friend.
0: That is right.
2: We're gonna go. We're gonna go to Germany and go to Borussia Dortmund and put Giorena on the list.
0: We will put Giorena on the list as well, my friend. I believe he played. I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty
2: sure he did. We're going to stay in Germany, go to Munich, and pick Chris Williams. Chris Richards. Chris Richards, my fault.
0: And Chris Richards did enter the match against Atletico Madrid on the week. Yes, that is correct.
2: All right. Now we're going to go to Turin and talk about a player that we did talk about today, and that's going to be Weston McKinney at Juventus.
0: Weston McKinney featured against Dinamo Kiev in that match. That's correct. You've got two more players.
2: We're going to go to London and go to Chelsea with Christian Pulisic.
0: Captain America played against Sevilla. You've got one more, my friend.
2: One more. And that last one, I believe this is him. I want to make sure that it is. It's going to be Tyler Adams at RB Leipzig.
0: That is correct. Well done, my friend. So, to give you the list, the seven players that played last Wednesday setting a record for Americans in the Champions League: Serginho Dest and Conrad De La Fuente, both playing against Fenervachos uh, for Brazil. Um, for, I'm sorry, for Barcelona. Christian Polisic playing for Chelsea against Sevilla, Weston McKinney playing for Juve against Dynamo Kiev, Gio Reyna playing for Dortmund against Lazio, uh, Tyler Adams playing for RB Leipzig against Basicsa and the last one, Chris Richards, playing for Bayern Munich against Atletico Madrid. Great, great, uh, great job, my friend, there. So, without any further things left on the docket, my friend, let's close out the show. Let's do it. All right, here we go so for episode 308 of low limit football thanks again to richard Carmen for joining us on the show next week will be our final show of 2020 uh we'll bring you a great guest we'll recap all the teams that have made it through to the knockout stages of the champions league and europa league as well so for episode 308 of low limit football i am joe usello i'm roberto rojas thanks for listening everyone and good night